The Tefl Commute, Season 4, Episode 5, in which Sean and I delve into the world of music. This will be the first part of a two-part episode. Let's get going. Lindsay, I have to start like this. Close your eyes, pick up a pen. Oh gosh, okay. What are you doing? No, it was just music. Because uh, we're talking about music and visualize. And uh, last time you were being so complimentary about visualization, it reminded me that, of one of the ways I use music in the classroom is guided visualization. So I thought, no, let's get Lindsay to close his eyes and play some music to begin with. That's but, true. Let me also begin <laughs> the episode with an apology to people who are fans of uh, visualization, including um, one person I know who did her PhD on it and uh, makes very good arguments for using guided visualization in class as a motivational tool. That's Jessica McKay. A little shout out to her. Um, And I am willing to admit that I may be wrong in my bias against this technique. But they were pet peeves, weren't they? So, you know, but you know what? It was nice to see so so much, so much reaction to, uh, to our peeves. Uh, Next if we do it next season, if we have a a recap, we'll have to get people to send in their pet peeves and we can try and please everybody. So, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, welcome to the Temple Commute, everybody. My name is Lindsay Clanfield. I'm joined here with. Hi, I'm Sean Wilden. And this is a podcast for language teachers. That's not about language teaching, but the topic will come up sometimes, invariably. Which we still insist on saying, yet every time we talk, we now talk about teaching. But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we are talking about teaching, but we uh, this, the topic that we've been wanting to deal with a while on this podcast um, is such a big topic that we've decided to do it over two episodes, and that's the whole area of music and songs. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk today uh, in this episode about music. So not songs so much as just music in general and its role or not in ELT, in teaching, how we feel about it and whether or not we use music in class. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about more about songs, including things like everyone's favorite ELT, teaching English songs, why songs in course books are so horrible and more stuff. Sound okay, Sean? Well, now you've just said why songs in course books are so horrible. So you're probably going to get get a tirade of complaints again from course book writers. But well, I, I doubt it. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, let, let, let's get going. Um, Lindsay, are you a fan of the science of developing different non-manipulative and non-hypnotic methods for teaching of foreign languages? Sorry, sorry, did you say something there? Yeah, oh, yeah, like... ha, 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 ha. I was just looking uh, at the definition of a, of a teaching approach or method, whichever way you want to call it, uh, okay. which, which tends to use music. Ah, oh, let me guess what this is. Is this one that has two ways of spelling what it is? Oh, is there a two ways of spelling it? Ah, oh. uh, like like encyclopedia has two spellings. Oh, okay. I don't know. I've only ever spelled it one way, but I guess uh, the pedia part think, says you're on the right in the right direction. 
Listeners, we are talking about, of course, the famous Suggestopedia, also sometimes called the Suggestopedia. So there may be, in fact, four spellings of this uh, method of language teaching. And uh, I know a little bit about it, obviously, from uh, teacher training and, and reading and stuff. Sean, do you want to tell us a bit more? Ah, oh, well, yes, yeah, so I know a bit about it. I've, I've observed it, but I've never actually uh, done it. I would have thought, uh, you, you, you talking about more more about it, you probably don't like it. I think cause it's got guide. It's got a lot of, when you look at the definition, there's a lot I, of guided I, in it. Guided relaxation, know. guided this. I mean, given. Might given. Not be my, might not be my thing. Um, <laughs> it was developed. Um, Georgie Lazanov, yeah? Yeah, by Georgi Lozanov. Lozanov, a sorry. Bulgarian, a Bulgarian psychotherapist. So not, I guess he must have been a teacher as well, but but psychotherapist by profession. So, uh, yeah, and it used music as, as, as a way of helping learn languages. But there was more than just that. Do you want to walk us through some of the Suggestopedia stuff? Well, you, there's, it's, there's two, two sides of it, aren't there? There's the uh, active and the, the passive side of it. Uh, you know, it, it's all about kind of getting in a relaxed state before the yeah. teacher teacher basically reads texts. <laughs> yes. I mean, a lot of it is that, of course, fans of this or people who know a lot about this will be outraged that we are glossing over it. I think there are more stages than just the listening to music stages. I think there is times where there is lots of it is based on text that the students have to read and then listen to. Um, but the kind of the, the main part that's often talked about and what's con of concern to us here on this podcast is the act, the role of music. And those are used in what's called the concert sessions. Yeah. So the concert sessions, I think there were two, um, the, uh, the active concert and the passive concert. You want me to keep going, Sean, or do you want? Oh, uh, you keep going for a second, and I'll see what I can add. All right. All right. Well, so the uh, is the way that I've understood it and read about it and seen it is there's the active session is where a teacher is reading the text um, by some uh, music. This is almost always classical music, uh, and this could be like a familiar classical piece, like Beethoven or something like that, a symphony. Um, and the and the students uh, follow along. So the teacher reads it out, and the students follow along. And then uh, there's a, later on, there's another concert, the passive concert, where this is more Baroque music playing um, with uh, 60 beats per minute and a, a specific rhythm to create a relaxed state of mind to allow the materials to be re retained. And in the passive concert, which is what people imagine when they imagine Suggestopedia, I think, students are preferably sitting in comfortable it's chairs. It's a comfortable chair bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe closing their eyes and the, stu the teacher is rereading the same text or passage. So the passive concert is where it's really supposed to go in uh, into the subconscious as opposed to the active concert where you're kind of reading and following along. Then there are parts, I think, where students also read the text and, 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 and focus on the, 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 the language and translations. But it's the concepts that really kind of distinguish it as a as a method yeah obviously That's we're we're right. focusing on the music side of it but it but it is equally important that the the atmosphere as a whole is 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 described as comfortable and relaxing in order for yeah. people to take the suggestion i guess well, uh, I, I don't know if i've mentioned this on the podcast before but my father was a french professor oh really french i didn't really know no you haven't at the university of toronto back in the 1970s and he said they did in fact try Suggestopedia when it came out they tried it he said they spent a fortune on furniture 
And, uh, <laughs> in the end, those were put into the like staff rooms. I guess, like I guess the average like, classroom chair doesn't really work for it, does it? So, uh, well, not a court. Not, back in the day, they would have, uh, you know, when they were if they're going whole hog for it, they would have been spending money on this, just like now we spend money on iPads, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. It's. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it is interesting. You, it, there are, and we'll put some links on the website, of course. There are some lessons that you could observe of it on YouTube or people trying it out uh, for it. And um, I mean, we were just talking, uh, you know, Delta, people doing the Cambridge Delta often do experimental practice on Suggestopedia lessons. So there's obviously, you know, it is a, it is a technique that people are still involved with, but for us, it's the, it's the musical side that is the interesting part, isn't it? It's the, 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 the the use of, of, of the of classical music basically to to set a classroom ap- atmosphere um, and there is there is an argument there's a, there's a, there's been a very kind of uh, frequent argument made of the benefits of, of of classical music for like learning and memory retention uh, I noticed you you had uh, put something in your notes here uh, called the Mozart effect do you want to tell yeah it's kind of I mean it's separate from that but there is this, I don't know if you remember it was it was a uh, it was probably a decade or so ago now that people suddenly started grasping onto this idea that uh, that playing Mozart would be, be would increase learning uh, opportunities and make people yeah. be- better learners in fact from a language point of view it's total bunkum apparently um yeah there's no no, there's no there's no uh proof to say that it actually worked from a from a language uh, um point of view um it was one of these things it was sort of grasped grasped by the research was grasped by uh marketeers and you know as media does spin these things out of it so you know everybody was playing confession time here um i I fell for the Mozart effect and bought the, 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 the video cassettes, baby Mozart, baby Van Gogh and everything. When my kids were small, I have, I have to say that I've played baby Mozart to my child as well. Yes. But that, but that's more as an, not necessarily that Mozart would be uh, developing, uh, developing his language ability, but, um, but uh, uh, because it, there are actually very relaxing, and they do, they do. Actually, they're quite funny. I like them as well. But I, I never really went uh, went for the whole scientific argument they would make in the in the blurbs on the on on the on the videos. But the videos themselves were pretty good. Yeah. So so the um, the positive results that were attributed to uh, to the the Mozart effect are more in the. Um, raising energy and giving positive emotional qualities within a, a learning space uh, rather than any noticeable effects on IQ or, or the ability to learn uh, to learn language. But uh, that said, I mean, I've often played, I like classical, I'm a big fan of music and, and song in the classroom and I've often played classical music in the classroom and I do think it, uh, I do think it uh, does have uh, an ability to create uh, a positive atmosphere Uh uh, for it, you, what about you? I mean, I often when I'm working, when I'm writing uh, material, I often. Well, here's, yeah, then here's a question. Then okay, let's 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 start with that question because there's two separate things. One is, um, actually, before we do this, why don't we take a little suggestopedia break? And when we come back, we'll talk about music in our life and our teaching. Okay, deep breaths, relax, <sighs> closing my eyes. I am Thornton Thunder. 
I am from Thurso. At the farthest point north in Scotland, I'm a jack of all trades. That's better. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. That's I'll, right. Suggest something to uh, me. I'm I'm all energized for it. There's something to be said about this. I feel almost motivated. Um, almost motivated. Oh. <laughs> so uh, we were talking before the break about um, music and the Mozart effect and Suggestopedia and whether or not that was true or not. I wanted to bring it back to like personal questions for you and also thinking about listeners. Uh, the idea of studying or in yours, in my case now, writing to music. Your thoughts, when you were, for example, Sean, when you were at university or in high school, did you study to music with music in the background? Uh, um, songs rather than music, but yes. And I could still attribute some of the music. things I remember to songs. What kind of music, though? So was it pop songs? Or was yeah, it like, pretty, like... yeah, pretty much. Yeah, whatever was the uh, the of, of the day. Uh, in, Back in the uh, back in the early nineties, late eighties, wow. early nineties. I uh, so it's kind sure, of. I would. I could never study to music that had words coming with I, it. I like, think I it comes never... for me. It comes from the fact I don't actually like silence very much. I like, uh, and it's something that people always uh, get at me. I don't like. I can't work in silence. I can't study in silence. I need. I need a noise uh, for so it. Need and, and so music, even with lyrics didn't distract you no but I, I think i think i tune them out more than anything else and i do it now i mean now i actually find that as i've um kind of as i've moved from kind of teaching into writing more uh that i actually need to have uh I, i've moved from songs into the classical music i listen to, actually listen to a lot of opera when i'm writing because i just find it a really good accompaniment to it so uh oh. When I studied, I could not study with uh, music, lyrical music in the background. I could with classical music a little bit. And when I write, no, that's complete silence. Uh, yeah. I suppose, uh, but it's a personal, and I think this is one of the, the issues with music in the classroom. Actually, is this, there's a lot this idea of I'll play music, but of course, you know, if you've got a if you've got a large class, there are bound to be there's bound to be that kind of division that you and I are showing. I like the noise, you like the silence. Um, so, you know, if you if you're playing music, then you, you are possibly annoying uh, some of your students who are finding that's it diffi true. difficult that's to true. study. So, when would you if that's if that's the case? Then, just the two of taking the two of us, one of us uh, can't concentrate with music, and the other one can't concentrate unless there's music or sound. It's almost like there's a no-win for teachers with like a you know variety of people in the class. Uh, there's a couple of things that I would do. First of all, I'd, I'd um, find out very early in my course what the students' attitudes were to it, and do a little not experiment to such, but play some music, get some feedback, see what people like with it. And, and we're talking about music rather than songs here. Um, so uh, you know, find out what the the general consensus of the class was uh, to it. And of course, like anything, I think there's a time and a place. And I think where um, I think where playing music is particularly effective is to give a background to say a, an extended speaking activity um i was yeah. I, I think you know the music act, you know we, when we speak in real life there's often a lot of background noise and i think actually the fact there's music playing gives a gives the students almost like a security blanket you know that, that they can speak within this bubble of noise um so exactly. it makes them, makes them add, less afraid 
I would add also, because I do this often in role plays where we have music playing in the background, I would add that it, it serves another purpose of, of bringing the role play to a stop more easily. Yes. So you have the, the music, like, you know, they're all role playing, you know, meeting at a party, for example, or, or in a restaurant or whatever, and you have the music playing in the background. But then when you stop the music, you get you can sometimes get that natural thing that happens, for example, at a party when suddenly the music stops at a party and everyone just stops talking at the same yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and there's actually quite a good use of music in the classroom as a, as a, as a teacher tool almost, uh, you, you know, rather, rather than like the two minutes left, one minute left, you just, you know, like the music, That's the music uh, is the punctuation of, uh, of the activity. So I think in that sense that there's kind of, you're not, I've got music on all the time, but you, you know, you're using it for a particular purpose, which you can tell the students you're using it for. Um, and it's, um, you know, they're not trying to sit and do a piece of writing. Although, again, Again, that's another use of music isn't it i mean music could be used to um to as a cue for creative writing um rather yeah. like the guided yeah. visualization yeah. it could be but again my feeling is and this is more personal when i've used music uh for um things in class either for background music or for for creative writing prompts or things like that i rarely have music which has lyrics no of course so, uh, yeah no, i mean there's music yeah uh, yeah no i think uh i think when we get to the when when we move on this kind of into part two of this of this podcast we'll talk about the difference of using songs as the background music and when here i'm talking purely uh instrumental music or very very light lyric music that that is more about the instrument um uh for it because i mean i i I actually when when i was thinking about the importance of music for me as a teacher and i think very early in my career uh, i was influenced by a book which is which is really hard to get hold of now which is called musical openings it was one of those um pilgrims training resource books by i think it was kramer Tell us about that. I can't. I remember. I, 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 I just. I was just really interesting because it was. It was. It was more playing it was on the thing. English language teachers, right? This was. Sorry, this, say again. This this book, musical openings. Yeah. Was for English language teachers. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those what we call a recipe book. You know, that just gave you different ideas for uh, for, and it came with a cassette. <laughs> That's how old it was. It came with a cassette uh, of, and they they were snippets of classical music. So there were different activities built around uh, various um, activities of of classical music. And the one that sticks in my mind, and I and I I still do from time to time, is is putting together. Uh, snippets of classical music, but of different tempos and different moods, but, but almost like mixing them together. So it's one track. Uh, so the music will ab- abruptly change, you know, and getting the students to pick up a pen and then they write to the music. And then of course, as the music changes, the, the, the story, cre- uh, story should change. So perhaps you've got a more energetic piece, uh, you know, like the, uh, 1812 overture or something followed by, you know, the rights of the, uh, yeah. you know, and you've got, you've, you, and it's really interesting to see the work the students produce uh just as a creative cue and and this book was full of those it was all it even had like um it had things you hate visualization activities and and kind of suggestopedia activities in terms of relaxing the students to pieces of music um you know students draw drawing circles let's give a plug to that then i've just got it in front of me here i think it's probably out of print very much so i I think you can get a get a secondhand copy of amazon but i did i did look because it did remind me of it and 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 then realized that it was missing from from my my uh, library of of books 
uh, of teaching yeah. books. But I, well, I, so musical openings by um, is David it Craig? Kramer, Kramer and I was Clement Leroy. Yeah. Le- you see, Leroy. Clement Leroy um, went on to also write books on pronunciation. So that's interesting. Whether the, the, this connection that some people make between between language and uh, and the and language, uh, sorry, between language learning and music, and there's this this idea of of pronunciation and music and phonology and music. But maybe we should take another suggestopedia break and uh, talk about that after that. So Lindsay, do you think there is anything in, in music music making you a better language learner? I'm trying to think of when I learned Spanish or French. The other two languages I, I speak uh, quite fluently are uh, a little bit of German that I've learned. I've never found music to play that big a role. Songs, perhaps. Right. More so with songs than with music. Um, you know, there's the whole argument of the music of English. But then I've heard people make the argument that the music of whatever language so whatever your language is i think maybe there's a natural kind of thing to say ah yes our language has a certain music to it a cadence a sort of you know sometimes said about english pronunciation being stress timed rather than syllable timed um so it has a particular kind of music to the language but it personally it hasn't played a conscious big role in in my life and you um no i i think i think the idea i think if the idea not me personally but i i I think there might be something that people talk about an ear for music and an ear for languages and i wonder if there is that 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 connection there isn't a lot of research on uh available on the internet about it how much that connection is that you know if you've got an ear for music whether whether that therefore knocks on to uh to pronunciation but certainly I mean, I think the only way that music has really influenced me in in, in, in terms of language is uh, by le- by helping learn language, like listening to songs and being able to sing parts of songs in the language I'm learning. But uh, yeah. but um, no, I this I guess songs. Maybe we could talk more about pronunciation. But there was a study. I think I, I came across it in. I think it was Finnish, as these things tend to be when we talk about education. That kind of that kind of suggested that if if student if children studied music from an early yes. age then they that would have a knock-on effect in language learning uh which i found very interesting they they, 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 they re- and when i was but it was very interesting because when i was looking into music and language learning or the importance of music or studies a lot of this tends to be done in terms of teaching music at school and the importance of teaching and learning music at school yeah and how that with other learning like holistically so i thought that was that was interesting, although, you know, it was often done by people who work in music departments and, you know, <laughs> very interested in, 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 in proving that there's a, a good um, link between studying music and, and doing well in education in general. Just as all of us teaching languages are drawn to research that shows people who study and learn languages do, do better in, 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 in other subjects as well. It's good for all kinds of learning. Yes, I guess so. I mean, this is kind of self-justification research, isn't it? <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah, but I do think there's something to be said for both of those kinds of, uh, for, in both cases. I don't think it's, it's, I don't think that it's not 
true. No, 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 do I. But, um, but does he say, and, and when the research is only, is very limited in this case, there's, there's not a lot yeah. to, not a rear, not a lot to go on. I think, um, I think as we go into, the, as we develop from music into songs, I think we'll probably come around more that songs have influenced our language learning much more than, than, uh, than, than music itself. I, I agree. I agree. Hey, I have one more one more question. This may be related more to like how um, using English to study, uh, you know, in our own quiet time or using English in class. One thing that I've noticed in my son's school here, all of a sudden, I noticed that they changed the bell to music. And I started I started hearing this all across schools in the town where I live in Spain, that there's no longer the bell that announces the end of the school day or the end of the, the class period. It's now replaced by music. And I've started researching. I started researching this, and this is starting to happen in lots of schools across the states. They are also beginning to replace the bell with music. Do you, have you heard this? In, I haven't in, heard of this. That's interesting. And is there a reason for this? Yeah, well, there's, there's, there's a few reasons. Um, one is that the bell... The sort of like ding 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 uh, is also used in prisons, uh, used in military stuff and everything, and so it was kind of considered, uh, you know, militaristic or dehumanizing. It's also loud and jarring, the bell, um, and they said you know it would make people more. Well, the arguments, the hearsay arguments, is that it made the kids more kind of excited and nervous going into class. Okay. Um, and it was an aggressive sound, whereas playing music could kind of gently guide everyone towards class or guide them out of class. So this you know is, it, is it classical music that they play? Well, um, and uh, now the schools in my neighborhood, they started with classical, but now they're very. So maybe they're playing like pop songs and stuff like that. And I think some of the high schools are varying because they're also getting the students to, to choose the song you know, uh, the song that they want to kind of finish the day. But um, so things like Feral, whatever his name's, Happy. Uh, I'm happy. You start hearing that. It's, it's, it's yeah. in, indoctrination. So they're all going into class well, being happy. There could be that kind of stuff as well. Um, but uh, the it was just interesting. A lot of them do the classical music, I think, partly to kind of like calm the music it's calms coming. the side east of the of the children as they're as they're all going into class and i i would like i would have liked that i, I always found there was nothing worse than being like involved as a teacher or a student in an activity and everyone's kind of getting right into it and all of a sudden you hear like ding 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 or yeah but or, I, I, okay i i could i could understand the the reasons why the bell might be seen as as a, in a negative way but regardless of whether it's a bell or a piece of music it's still the end of the activity isn't it well, that's true. Actually, you know what, the, what? One of the schools they had that was even worse. They had like an air raid uh, thing. <laughs> like, duck. And I was, you know, duck and cover. Get down, everybody. I mean, the kids just kind of just had associated it with the end of class. But, um, um, but was- it's interesting. So I, I wonder if there's a particular kind of... Uh, I was going right back to the beginning where we were talking about suggestibility and the active and the passive. I wonder if they've put that research into the bell. You know, do you put a bit of Bach in there or do you put some Mozart in there? Or uh, or my yeah. personal my personal favourite, a bit of Tchaikovsky, I think. it's. Uh, uh, in yeah. it. Do you have, do you have a, a, a favourite classical composer, your favourite piece of classical music yeah, no. you would put on in class? That I would put on a class would probably be some kind of Mozart, some kind okay. of gentle Mozart thing, Pachelbel's Canon. Oh, no, I, yeah, something really typical, you know, whatever's on the greatest hits. Tchaikovsky is my plane music. If I'm if I'm if I'm trying to sleep on a plane, that's what I put on my uh, put on my um, 
generic MP3 player, as, as I often say. I used, I used to, for like quick type things when I was teaching kids that they had like to finish a puzzle or something like that, I used to put on Mission Impossible for the last two minutes of the thing. Do you know if that pressures them? I like, they, 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 oh yeah, it totally did. It totally did. So maybe that I don't know if that was good or not. Let's speak. Speaking of composers, let's uh, let's see if you know your order of composers with this little game. Ah, the return of the timeline. Welcome to Timeline, the Temple commutes on the move game for teachers. Okay, in order to play Timeline, you need to draw yourself a mental timeline. We've all used timelines in the classroom. Get the pen, draw a line. Over here on the left is usually the past. Moving towards the right is the future. With somewhere with a little cross or an intersection for now in the middle. So draw yourself that mental timeline now. Great, so you're almost ready to play. So all you need now is a topic. And in keeping with today's episode, the topic is composers. That's right, composers. Lindsay and I have been discussing the use of classical music in Suggestopedia. So here are six composers associated with the active and passive concerts used in that approach. All you have to do is put them into the correct order according to their year of birth. Ah. So if you're ready, let's play Timeline. Here we go then. Remember, you're putting the composers in order of the date of birth or the year of birth. I'm going to give you them in alphabetical order. So here are your six. Number one is Bach. Number two, Beethoven. Our third composer is Handel. Our fourth composer, Mozart. Next, Tchaikovsky. And to finish with, Vivaldi. So that's Bach, Beethoven, Handel, Mozart, Tchaikovsky, Vivaldi, in order of the year of birth. Thinking time. Okay, thinking time over. Do you think you've got them all? Once more in alphabetical order, Bach, Beethoven, Handel, Mozart, Tchaikovsky and Vivaldi. So when we get to the answers, you would give yourself one point if you get them in the correct order. Six points earns you utter smugness. And it is tricky because there are two of the composers were born in the same year. So according to the Font of All Knowledge Wikipedia, this is the order you should have put them in. Your first one, Vivaldi, uh, year of birth, 1678. Second up should have been Handel. He was born in 1685, as was Bach. However, Handel was born about a month before Bach was. So, um, uh, Handel was born in February 1685 and Bach was born in March 1685. Your fourth one should be Mozart, born in 1756, followed by Beethoven, 1770. And your final one is Tchaikovsky, born in 1840. So that's Vivaldi, Handel, Bach, Mozart, Beethoven and Tchaikovsky. Well done if you got them all in the right order. And join us again in a future podcast episode for another edition of Timeline.
Did you get them all right, Lindsay? Uh, no, I didn't. I got one of them wrong. No, well, I had the answers and I still got them wrong. Um, let's. Um, I guess we're kind of coming towards the end. I was. I was. Um, we've looked at music per se, and I, of course, music itself is actually a good topic to talk about in classroom. There are so many questions that uh, that you can really? you can instigate Some with, of the with music that we were kind of going back and forth with ourselves could be used. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I was, I was coming when I, when we were researching, I came across the, uh, the Tefalpedia site with the music questions. So let, let's just do a couple of those for you. See how you, uh, see what your answers would be. So the, the first question on the Tefalpedia site is how important is music in your life, Lindsay? Um, uh, not as important as it used to be. <laughs> Jane, uh, it's true. It's true. Music has become devalued in my life. That I'm not spending so much money on it because I'm streaming from Spotify and stuff like that. So oh, but no, but that, that's interesting that you think that's devalued. It. It's kind of for me. No, that opens it up more to. I mean, uh, you probably since we're confessing com confessing things in the way, you probably don't realize that I used to be a DJ. So uh, before I was a teacher, I was a DJ. Um, so for me, things like Spotify, and I like seeing new music, and Spotify does that for me, seeing, hearing new music. But, uh, so I wouldn't, I thought it's added more value rather than devalued it. That's interesting. Uh, so, uh, one, uh, something like that. If, if, so if music were removed from the world, how would you feel? Oh, no, that would be awful. That would be terrible. <laughs> because, as you say to your students, come on, expand your answer. You've got a minute. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know, teacher. It would be terrible because, I like music. I'm giving the kind of lame answer. The lame answer the students give when you want them to know. Um, uh, going down the list one more, Ted. Do, does it irritate you when someone is whistling? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I almost always think someone's whistling. If I hear someone continually whistling... I think they're doing it to try to annoy somebody. I don't know why. Oh, really? I find myself doing it subconsciously. I guess if I overheard some, like, you know, someone walked past and someone was in a shower whistling. But when I hear someone whistling down the street, I kind of think they're, I don't know. I don't know. I think it, anyway, yes, it does annoy me a little bit. Not a lot. Not, not enough to say to a stranger, please stop that. But, but probably, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and there, there are many more of these questions on, on the page. Well, they're very, I was going through them. I thought they were quite interesting because they're, they're like that question about does it irritate you when someone is whistling, for example, is, is, is an interesting one to have a discussion about, I think, in, in, in class. Yeah. So we'll put the, put them on the, on the website for people to listen to. Um, have we got anything uh, else to talk about? I, I don't think so. I, well, I have a lot to talk about, but it's more about songs and maybe that will, will wait and we'll continue that in our next episode. Okay. We should, we end then with the sound going to music, the sound of angels. Oh, our favorite music. Surround yourself with the dreamers and the doers, the believers and thinkers, but most of all, Surround yourself with those who see greatness within you, even when you don't see it in yourself. Anonymous. Right, so I guess that brings part one to an end. What do you think, uh, Lindsay? I think it does. I think it does. This has been the Temple Commute. Uh, my name is Lindsay Clanfield, joined by Sean Walden. We were talking, this is a first of a two-parter that we're doing on music and song so please uh check back um in a couple of weeks time we'll have the next episode up we try to do an episode every two weeks you can find out more from our website www.tefelcommute.com or follow us on facebook or on twitter 
And you can get our podcasts anywhere you get your great podcasts. iTunes, Podomatic, anywhere else. You should be able to find it. And you can even listen to them on YouTube if you wish. Yeah, don't forget to check the website. There is a lot of links and a lot of things that we talked about. As usual, we put all the links uh, that we find during our research on there for you to go and research further. And always finish with an end of pod activity and the instructions are there for you. So I've been Sean Wilden and I'll see you again for part two. And I've been Lindsay Cladfield. Bye, everybody. Bye for now. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an activity you can take into class. Before your lesson, choose some short extracts of music. Lyric-free music works best. Choose extracts that have contrasting styles. You're going to need about a minute from each extract. You need at least four. Begin your lesson by asking the students to close their eyes, just to annoy Lindsay, and listen to the piece of music. When the excerpt has finished, put the students into pairs and ask them to describe what images they saw in their minds when listening to the music. Then ask some of the students to tell the whole class. Next, ask the students to take a pen and paper. Tell them you're going to play some music but this time they need to write a story inspired by the music. Play one minute of at least three extracts and as the music plays the students should write their story. Contrasting extracts, that is slow, fast, should influence what happens in the story. When the music is finished, give students time to polish their writing before they share it in small groups. You can find the instructions for these activities at our website, www.tefelcommute.com. You've been listening to The Tefl Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and by visiting us at www.tefelcommute.com. I shall be leaving you now, but before I do, may I leave you with one last thought for the day? An individual's life is a process of transforming time into experience. A full, balanced and happy life may then be one that transforms its time into a maximum of good experience.